The School of Wisdom is now back in session. Welcome to Through the Bible. I'm Steve Schwetz, and I hope that you can hop aboard with us for the Bible bus for this five-year journey through the whole Word of God. Dr. J. Vernon McGee begins our study today in Proverbs chapter 11 and 12 in just a moment. So while you grab your copy of God's Word and find your seat, here are a couple of letters from our fellow passengers. And you know, notes like this one from Nanette encourage us all to keep sharing God's Word. I wanted to tell you how I started listening, Nanette tells us. For many years, my sister-in-law has listened to Dr. McGee. About three years ago, we both were going through a hard time and decided to get on the Bible bus together. Listening every morning on my work break has brought peace, and I am now more patient with people. I pray more and find I understand more when reading the Bible. I am proud to give a monthly donation to help provide gas for the Bible bus. Thank you to all the people involved in keeping the wheels on our Bible bus rolling along. Well, thanks, Nanette. Thanks for sharing how God's Word is making a difference in your life. And then thank you for your support that keeps us sharing God's Word today in more than 250 languages around the world and in so many different ways to our English-speaking family as well. If you want to share God's Word with those that you care about, well, we'd love to help. You can call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE, and we'll send you a 10-pack of our Bible bus passes. I love these. They're roughly the size of a business card, and each one contains a QR code that links to Dr. McGee's messages and also the web address. Again, you can call 1-800-65-BIBLE and get yours for free. And then here's a great letter. This one's from North Africa. A brother who listens to Through the Bible in Kabil writes, I learned from you that the way of Jesus is not religion. His word is the word of God, and he himself is the word of God. Some Muslims from our country said to me one day that I should be ashamed to leave my religion. I answered them with all peace, saying, It is true, I have left my religion, my practices, and all that follows. I left all that is within me to receive all of what belongs to God. The answer closed their mouths. Pray for me. And yes... Let's think and pray for those listeners in North Africa as we go about our day. Hey, it's letter month here at Through the Bible, and you know that we'd love to hear how God is using his word in your life. We know that there's so many of you that have listened for a very long time, and yet you've never written in to us. And you can do that today by just emailing us at biblebus at ttb.org. You can always send a written note to Box 7100. Pasadena, California, 91109. If you listen in Canada, you can write to Box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C, 6B1. That's also the address if you'd like to partner with others in the Through the Bible family in keeping the Bible bus on the road in 2024 in your neighborhood and in almost every country of the world. And then remember to drop your gas money in the mail to us by December 31st. And of course, you can always give online at ttb.org forward slash give. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and for this opportunity to gather around it together. Help to apply these words of wisdom to our lives as we follow you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we're off to Proverbs 11 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now we come back to Proverbs eleven twenty six. We're in a very important section, by the way, for the very simple reason that we now see the young man that has entered the school of wisdom and he's having his freshman year. Those courses are always important. And he's being taught some very practical things. And the most important thing, of course, the bedrock truth was the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's the first lesson. And from that, why there were the lessons that He should be honest 
Honest is the best policy, and certainly for a child of God. Get rid of pride in the life. Now, in verse 26 here, I read, He that withholdeth corn, the people shall curse him, but blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. I think here of two or three individuals in connection with this verse. I think, for instance, of Joseph down in Egypt. He didn't withhold corn. You remember, he gathered it up for seven years and then was able to feed the world, including his own father and brothers and their families at that particular time. Then you remember there was a man by the name of Nabal, and Nabal means a fool. He was married to a beautiful woman, Abigail. And may I say, you may think of some combinations like that that you know. I know of several like that. And she was a very sensible, lovely person. Why she married him, I don't know, except that he was a rich man. And we find that David had taken care of his sheep when he was out there as a nomad and had helped him on many occasions. And David and his men got hungry. And he called on Nabal. Nabal turned him down flat. In fact, the matter is he insulted the messengers that David had sent. And believe me, that red-headed fellow David's not going to take it lying down. He goes after the man, and of course this woman meets them. What an illustration of this. But say how practical this is. The corn is the word of God, <laughs> and he that withholdeth it. God have mercy on the preacher today that is discussing the social questions. They're important but that is not discussing the Word of God. We're to give out the Word of God. We're not to withhold the corn. And therefore, I just wonder how many of you sitting on the sidelines are withholding corn from those around you. And you could be a great impetus and help in others in getting out the Word of God. And there's so many ways that you can get it out. Our way here by radio is just one of the many wonderful ways it can go out. This is a tremendous proverb, as you can see. He that withholdeth corn, the people shall curse him, but blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it, that gets the corn out. And we sell it without money and without price, of course. Now we read, He that diligently seeketh good procureth favor, but he that seeketh mischief it shall come unto him. That is, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And then verse 28, He that trusteth in his riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. These are tremendous things here. And the one that trusteth in his riches shall fall. Our Lord gave a parable about a man, and as we've said, we don't think he ever made up a parable. They were drawn from real life. And he says, that man says, I'm going to tear down my barns, and I'm going to build bigger barns. And he gave all of his attention to that, and the man had already had a coronary attack, and yet he paid no attention to that. And our Lord said he's a fool, because instead of getting big barns, and big barns are fine, nothing wrong with that. The thing that was wrong was he was so interested in building big barns down here, he didn't think of building anything for eternity. And that's where the man was the fool. And that's the danger of riches. You don't buy your way into heaven. He that trusteth in his riches shall fall. Then let me drop down to verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Now, this is, I think, a very wonderful one. 
And it simply means this, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Many years ago, a survey was made of the sons of preachers, because PKs, preachers' kids, come in for a lot of criticism. And it was found that quite a few of our presidents, including Woodrow Wilson, they were sons of preachers, and that some of the outstanding scientists have been sons of preachers. And actually, the children of saved folk, they turn out very well. Now, today, there's been so much made of this matter of attempting to have little courses and how to act in the home and all that sort of thing. I wish that I could get this smattering of knowledge and this little surface coat that's being put on. I wish I could get past that and get these folk to remember this, that just a little course of psychology and of being sweet and nice in the home is not the answer to it. That what we need is to return to the Word of God and to live a life in the home. And a lot of these problems will evaporate when that is done. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And that's the way it's going to work out. And he that is wise winneth soul. There's a great deal of attention being given today to personal witnessing. And I think it's good. I believe it's the finest thing that's taking place in our day and generation. And the Word of God's been saying all the time, he that when the souls is wise. Now, verse 31, Behold, the righteous shall be recompensed in the earth, much more the lawless and the sinner. Judgment is coming. No question about that. Now, I just keep moving right on over into chapter 12. We're still in our freshman year. It's very important. Whoso loveth instruction, loveth knowledge. But he that hateth reproof is brutish. Now, the man that loves instruction is a man that has a true estimate of what's top priority and what's really of superior values. And that means that he'll listen to instruction. One of the great problems is of getting folk not only to listen to the Word of God, but to obey it. Obedience is absolutely essential. Now will you notice verse 2 and 3. A good man obtaineth favor of Jehovah, but a man of wicked devices will he condemn. A man shall not be established by lawlessness, but the root of the righteous shall not be moved. Now, I think our Lord gave a parable in the Sermon on the Mount that deals with this. One man built his house on a rock, another built it on sand. And the rock, of course, is Christ, the solid foundation of the Word of God. But it doesn't make any difference. The ungodly will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in a congregation of the righteous. I don't care who he is. He's coming to a pretty sorry, sad end. He could even be high up in the estimation of man. He may be famous. He may be rich. But God is going to certainly judge man. That is the important thing, I think, here. Now, verse 4, A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. But she that maketh ashamed is his rottenness and his bones. 
Now, think of the wonderful wives that you have in the Old Testament. You know, Eve was quite a wonderful person, I think, in spite of the fact she listened to the serpent. I believe Sarah was a wonderful wife, although she made a pretty bad suggestion. And I think that you find in the mother of Moses, a very wonderful wife, Jochebed. She must have been a wonderful person. But there are others that are not so good. There was Job's wife. She was not very much of a help. It's interesting. Satan took away from Job everything that he leaned upon except his wife. And that must mean she wasn't very much of a help to Job at all. And then, of course, there's that bloody Athaliah. Of course, she had a bad mother in Jezebel. So that you have illustrations, many of them in Scripture, of this. Remember now, this is a lesson for a young man. And the most important course he can take is, of course, how to choose a wife, how to make a choice. The most important thing that any girl has is to choose a husband. I know that Ogden Nash years ago put it in a little doggerel that goes something like this to make marriage a success. And this is much better than a lot of the courses they're given today because these courses don't last. I mean, you drop back in your evil ways after another year after you've had the course. The trouble is that you're not living in the Word of God. If you were, then you wouldn't need the course to begin with. Now listen to Ogden Nash. To keep your marriage brimming with love in the loving cup, whenever you're wrong, admit it. Whenever you're right, shut up. That's good advice, to keep your marriage with love in the loving cup. Now let's move on. We have verse 5 here. The thoughts of the righteous are just, but the counsel of the lawless are deceit. The words of the lawless are to lie and wait for blood but the mouth of the upright shall deliver them. The lawless are overthrown and are not, but the house of the righteous shall stand. Now, you can well see that God apparently is one that is a square. Let's face it. He believes in law and order. He has a lot to say against the lawless. Now, in verse 8, A man shall be commended according to his wisdom, but he that is of a perverse heart shall be exposed to contempt. I think of Gideon and his son. Gideon, he's to be commended according to his wisdom. And Abimelech, his son, was exposed to contempt. And then verse 9, He that is despised and hath a servant is better than he that honoreth himself and lacketh bread. I think you could get a better translation here where it says, Better is the poor that provideth for himself. I think that is a better translation. It's rather confusing here, but it looks like the contrast is being made that it is better to be envied than he who delights in making a pompous display while at the same time he has an empty bread basket. How true this is. I think you could put Jacob and Esau down on this proverb. Esau, the hungry, and yet he's the one that had the blessing, but attached no importance to it at all. Now, will you notice verse 10? A righteous man regardeth the life of his beast, but the tender mercies of the lawless are cruel. I mentioned the other day the thing that impressed me about my dad 
he died, was killed in an accident in a cotton gin when I was 14 years old, just at a time when a boy thinks his dad's a hero. Frankly, I've never gotten over it. I always felt he was a wonderful dad, and yet I do know that he drank and apparently used pretty strong language at times. But I mentioned the fact of how on one occasion that he stopped when he saw a gate open and the man's cattle were out. This was out in West Texas. He got out and put them all back in, closed the gate, and got back in the buggy. Never said a word about it at all. And then I remember one time we were driving from Ardmore, Oklahoma, up to Springer, and that was in the good old days when it was a dirt road and we had a horse and buggy. And there was a man ahead of us that was drunk in his buggy. And he was beating his animal. And my dad got out of the buggy. We couldn't get around him to begin with. And my dad got out of the buggy, went up and talked to the man about beating his animal. And the man took offense, naturally, being a drunk. And he got out and he swung at my dad. He missed him, but my dad hit him and really knocked him down. And he told him to get back in that buggy. And my dad took the whip away from him. And he told him, he said, you let that horse alone. You quit beating him. And the man, of course, went on down the road and we followed him. That impressed me. All of that sort of thing impressed me. And I'm delighted to find in Scripture a proverb like this, a righteous man regardeth the life of his beast. Someone that had a dog. In fact, he had several dogs. He told me, he says, I always judge a man by the reaction of my dogs to him. So dogs know character. They know whether they'd be mistreated by an individual. It's quite interesting that the animal world seems to know human character maybe better than some of us do. And God has a proverb about it. I like it. I trust you do. Verse 11, He that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread, but he that followeth vain persons is void of heart. In other words, stay on the job. <laughs> Keep busy. And don't do so much running around. Well, there's a new proverb out today. It's like this. How come the now generation always says later when you ask them to do something? That's what he's saying here. Now will you notice as we move on in this very wonderful chapter here, the lawless desireth the fortress of evil, but the root of the righteous yieldeth fruit. Now you'll notice all the way through here we have this contrast that is like this. And I'm going to just lift out certain of these very wonderful Proverbs because there is a similarity through here. In other words, there is an emphasis and there is a repetition. And today we are told that there should not be repetition in teaching. And after all, that's the best kind of teaching. If you can keep saying it and get by with it, it's a great thing to do. Now we have here verse 15, "...the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise." And I'm sure that the minute that we give you that one, you know who it refers to. We've already had one proverb that's referred to him. It's Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. He wouldn't listen at all to the wise counsel that he had. And then we want to drop on down now to verse 17. He that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, 
but the tongue of the wise is health. Now, somebody may say something to you that's very strong language. And if your preacher's preaching the truth, he's going to hurt you sometime. I appreciate what someone said in a letter the other day for this broadcast. Every now and then I make this statement, I don't want to be ugly, but I am going to be ugly because I'm going to say something strong. And this party said, go on being ugly, Dr. McGee, in your beautiful way. Well, I don't know how beautiful it is, but I intend to say what is here. And if your preacher is preaching the truth, there are times when he's going to put a sword right in your heart, friends. And if you're not willing to accept it, well, the hypocrite always covers up, you see, by hatred and bitterness. And that's the reason that I said some time ago that I'm always doubtful of a man, a little afraid of him, if he's highly critical of his preacher. That is, if he's nice to his face, but to his back he's sticking a knife in him. Now, here, but the tongue of the wise is health. Verse 19, the lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of them that imagine evil, but to the counselors of peace is joy. There shall no evil happen to the just, but the lawless shall be filled with mischief. Lying lips are an abomination to Jehovah, but they that deal truly are his delight. Now, all of these verses here have to do with the tongue, the lying tongue, and the lips of truth, and they're put in contrast here. Now, again, may I repeat something we've said before. The Word of God has more to say about the tongue and in judgment of the tongue than it does about the use and abuse of alcohol. And yet, a lying tongue and a gossip can get by today in Christian circles. But a drunkard, I tell you, we would read him out, wouldn't we, of our fellowship. But what about that gossip? We do nothing about it. And yet the Word of God has more to say about that than anything else. Stay with us for a few final words by Dr. McGee. But first, if we can help you find a resource to deepen your study of God's Word, you can visit ttb.org or call 1-800-65-BIBLE if we can help you. And be sure to join us next time as we continue this wise and wonderful study through the Bible. Now here is Dr. McGee. We stated last time that back of these Proverbs are great principles that govern our lives. We saw that honesty and integrity is written over the business world last time. When that is absent, no system of economics can restore normal living. There must be truth given out to the people if it's propaganda while society is corrupt and a nation falls. Over the Proverbs that we have just looked at, the use and abuse of riches. It's not wrong to be rich. God makes that abundantly clear. In fact, it's desirable, provided they are acquired honestly and are to be used for a right purpose. In other words, the use of wealth is the real test of a man's life. Therefore, we find today it's not a question of the kind of government a nation has. Free enterprise seems to be the way the Proverbs go, but it hasn't anything to do with that. 
But it's not the system of economics, but the character of the man that minister this. Now, the other great principle touches the home. We're told here that a virtuous woman is commended. And virtuous here means more than pure. It means that, but it means a woman of character, a woman of ability, a woman of energy. A girl who engages in premarital sex should be told that she's a prostitute, not for hire, but for nothing. And then a young man should be told that a wicked man does not make a good husband. And a seminar is not going to straighten out a home with a wicked husband and a faithless wife. We must bring them to the Word of God. That is the only answer, and that is the positive answer. Until next time, may God richly bless you, my beloved. Jesus came We're grateful for our committed listening family who faithfully pray and invest in Through the Bible as we together take the whole word to the whole world.